0: Today, my guest is Scott Holman. He is the director of the documentary Witness Underground.
1: Welcome to the show, Scott. Thanks, Isaac. Really appreciate it. Nice to be hey, here. Hey,
0: no problem. Thank you for coming on. So uh, just introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background.
1: Yeah, I. the most recent news and why we're here today is because I've made a film. I directed a docu- feature documentary called Witness Underground, and uh, before that, I have a bit of a background in kind of indie filmmaking. Um, it's very DIY, and that stems from a music culture that was also very DIY. And the film dives into both of those worlds a lot. Um, and then I the reason I made this film and my connection to all the people in the movie is that we were all artists inside of a cult. And the cult in this case is Jehovah's Witnesses. And we can talk more about that. But my parents, all of our parents, were either born into it or joined it at some point. So we were a bunch of kids like stuck in this weird world, and it wasn't really our choice. But it was sort of the world we knew, and we were trying to navigate. And the people that you know got out were people that successfully navigated cult mind control, which um, is the way I like to frame it, anyways, because most people see as like a cult member as like someone who was, I don't know, a hapless sucker. And they're kind of an idiot <laughs> and there's yeah. definitely not like the people listening to this. Um, they could never be stuck in a cult, but like, you know, being raised in it versus joining it. People don't think they join the cult. Uh, people are kind of sucked into something they think is great. And they join it because they think it's really, really cool or really important or something.
0: Yeah. Let's dive into it. So you said your parents were Jehovah's witnesses and that you were born in it. Let's, let's talk about that. So what was that like growing up Jehovah's witness?
1: Yeah, I guess my story is a little skewed from that in that my parents joined it in their early late 20s, early 30s with a bunch of kids, five kids. Um, For them, I think it was just like, a, oh, it's a nice church with, you know, all churches promise something after you die. And this is just a different version of that that they thought was better in some way. And then for me, like I remember like having a normal life and my entire family is not a part of it, um, apart from my immediate family. Um, my grandparents joined it and then my dad joined it and my mom sort of went along with it and so I kind of had a little bit of a a dual life in that I had like the normal cousins and aunts and uncles who were just like you know I I guess normal American Christians who didn't really go to church (laughs) Um, and then I had my Jehovah's Witness parents my dad I guess who was like trying to take it seriously and then eventually did um, and growing up in those two worlds, like navigating, like, what is that like having all my friends be Lutherans, Pentecostals, Catholics, and atheists, and something like that. And, uh, at different variations of, you know, intensity versus, and then having this other world where it's like, my parents want to be part of this crazy thing. That's like way more strict and fundamentalist and extreme in ways. They want to be a separate and apart from all of society. Um, it's like, it's almost like going Amish without like having your own compound or being in a, like a normal sex cult or religious cult. That's like, has their own land and never leaves it. But they're like, the Jehovah's Witness sort a toad weird line where they're like in the normal society, but they'd like,
0: yeah. What is Jehovah's Witness and like, what are their beliefs?
1: Okay. Um most people to compare them to um Christianity, There's, They call themselves the only true Christians, but almost every Christian religion does that. How they're different from general Christianity is they reject all holidays that have anything to do. Well, they reject reject all holidays. The strongest ones are anything that are religious or Christian because they believe uh, that the origins are important and that those all those holidays are actually pagan. So the true Christians wouldn't celebrate any of the holidays. Um, Or if they had an origin that wasn't uh, from the Bible, it's also rejected. So no holidays at all. No celebrations of, and no individualistic things like birthdays or Mother's Day or Father's Day. Um, definitely no, um, well, Thanksgiving is like a loose one because it doesn't really have an, it's a strange um, day, but they kind of don't like that one either. They don't like New Year's, even though that's just like a Gregorian calendar thing. Um, so they they kind of separate themselves in that way. They're known for not celebrating birthdays and holidays, but they're also known for going door-to-door preaching, um, bringing the Bible or Bible-based literature as they would call it to you and uh, wow, I'm using their language um they're trying to talk they're trying to convert you they're trying to convert basically their targets are christians of any of any flavor especially catholics cuz they're the easiest to convert
0: why are catholics the easiest to convert
1: in their mind they are um, and that's because there's like two I don't know 1700 years of catholics doing things that are, are sort of not scriptural um and creating their carving their own war way that's separate from the bible out and they you know, aligned themselves with nazis and the catholic inquisition where they killed christians that weren't catholic but still believed like the lutherans and the calvinists hunting people down and burning them at the stake and burning witches and there's just a lot of things you can point at catholics and be like you didn't quite follow the scripture here or here or here and they love to do that I, i'm not saying that catholics are the worst i'm just saying that's what jehovah's witnesses would say um and and they're easy targets whereas like usually protestant at least in the united United states from my experience protestant christians um know their bible really well and um actually have thought about their beliefs a little bit more than the average catholic catholic sort of from my experience and from how they would describe it um generally just accept it like okay this is what this is what the true religion says the true catholic religion so we'll just follow it and it's more of a cultural thing than than like what did the bible actually say and most Catholics I've met have never read the Bible or they've, you know, they know like some Psalms, but that's it. Or ca- Christians are generally like, well, I'm taking it a little bit more serious because we're not Catholics. Well, why are we not Catholics? Well, there's these, you know, here's this huge list of why, plus we read the Bible, plus, you know, whatever their special thing is. And Joe's going to just take that to a deep extreme.
0: So no holidays. So that means growing up, you didn't celebrate Christmas or anything or
1: no birthdays. I remember my last Christmas and our parents were like, we're taking the religion seriously as a family. So kids, this is your last holiday. My mom pushed for a last Christmas. And I would think I was six at the time, maybe seven. And they're like, you're going to get gifts. Don't worry about that. But you'll never get gifts on this day, like this wrapped like this with this kind of celebration around it. They're like, we're going to go on holidays instead and like go on vacation. Um, So there was sort of like this understand that it's the last one but we're it's still gonna be you're still gonna have a good life but then it was like pretty soon like you can't do this you can't like sing those songs at school you have to walk out of the room you can't do a pledge of allegiance you have to walk out of the room and be different you can't eat those cupcakes um you definitely can't paint easter eggs like all those little things that a kid would do like that was immediately cut off so and then birthdays i don't remember ever celebrating a birthday which i still think birthdays are really really strange um, as an adult <laughs> and being out 15 years, I'm like, I've only celebrated like five and I felt very uncomfortable the whole time. <laughs> but I did yeah. enjoy a few of them. <laughs> like, it's a pretty fun <laughs> thing that people do. It's just I find it exhausting because I know thousands of people That's... and I can't remember any of their birthdays. I never needed to record that.
0: <laughs> did you go door to door, you know, trying to recruit people or anything like that?
1: Yeah, it's mandatory. They wouldn't say it's mandatory, but they they kind of pressure you from a very young age to do it and you get to rise in the hierarchy that way you become an unbaptized just child of a member to an unbaptized publisher Um, and that publisher is like you started going preaching and they approved that and um, that's a special category that rises you above the other kids and then it's like well then you should get baptized because then you're like you're really showing God that you believe and that will save your life at the end of the world. And that's the thing I didn't, I forgot to mention. They're a doomsday cult. Um, mm. They really believe the end of the world is coming and they basically say it's like, it's here. It'll, it could be tomorrow. It could be next week. It could be in two years from now. No one knows the day or the hour except the leaders seem to know that it's like so, so close. And they've been saying that since 19, 7, 18, sorry, 1879, And the last date that they chose was 1975 for the end of the world, but they were wrong, of course, and they lost like half their numbers. And then, and now we're they sort of regained their numbers through the 80s and 90s. Then the internet came, and now we're sort of they sort of plateaued um, with people. Like 60% ish of the people leave um, at some point in their life, so it's like the lowest retention rate of any religion on earth. Um, Well, maybe not any, but of the major ones. It's like it's one of the big four major cults the other one's being uh, mormonism uh the moonies and i can't remember the fourth one but there's like, it's it's up there in the
0: so about going door to door and preaching to people do you have any like stories from your experiences doing that
1: yeah um it's actually something i i think is really interesting that i've i'm so happy that i got this one thing out of like the silver lining of going door to door and preaching when you're young and i don't know I don't think they do it really to get converts. I think they do it now to, um, for persecution complex. So there's like mm-hmm. a whole concept there, but basically if you're doing this thing that nobody wants to happen on a Saturday when they're enjoying their weekend or a Sunday um, when they normally do it. Uh, and actually they kind of have slowed down on that. And now they just walk around with their carts filled with books and magazines. Uh, but they used to really, really go hard on preaching door to door. Persecution complex is like, when people slam the door in your face you feel rejected but then you go back to the group um, outside of the house in the neighborhood or in the car that you drove there in and you you know give each other a pat on the back it's like it's like your coach when you're boxing or something like hey you got this like you're gonna you're gonna keep on going we're all in this together kind of feeling and then okay to answer your question interesting story I got I've had like of the thousands and thousands of people that i've talked to in two different languages um i learned spanish to do this in a greater sense in my early 20s and i went to ecuador so i like i did this in english and spanish um i heard a lot of i heard a number of stories i wouldn't say a lot of the like let's say ten thousand people i talked to about mm-hmm. like god or the bible like 15 different people ish i'm can't remember i don't know the exact numbers i didn't write this down but They told me a story of, of like a demon or an angel or an unknowable spirit thing coming to or interacting with them in some way during, at some point in their life, it was unexplainable. And that's where their faith is based and learning, hearing those personal first person experiences with something unexplainable other than they're like, it's Jesus. It's an angel. It's a demon. It's a ghost that kind of explanation for the unexplainable Um, some of them were very confident some of them were questioning what it was and almost all of them had a unique element to them and that people they described not all of them but like half of them had this unique element of there were orbs of light in the story at some point like a sphere of of light flowing through the room or on the ground or like the size of a house outside of their car or um, things that you would see in a horror film like the cupboard doors all opening and closing and creating a crazy cacophony of sound. Um, that was really deafening. Um, yeah, like that I think is fascinating. And it got me thinking about what Jehovah's witnesses in general, what their faith is based in. Um, because most of the people, they told the story of like, I saw this crazy thing and I knew it was Jesus. I saw this crazy thing. And I knew it was God. I saw this crazy thing. I felt this crazy thing. And I, and I thought it was an angel, something positive, generally speaking from a Christian standpoint. But Jehovah's Witnesses almost never, like I don't think I ever heard a story about an angel or God or Jesus helping them. I heard a lot of stories from Jehovah's Witnesses about demons attacking them, and de- demons tempting them, or demons scaring them. Like I probably heard 300 stories about demons from Jehovah's Witnesses and none about angels or God or or Jesus. And huh. then I realized like, oh, so they're, the faith of our religion is based in fear. And I had my own stories like that where I was like, this is unexplainable and I'm afraid of it. This is unexplainable and it's scary and I don't know what to do. I I think I believe more now because I had this unexplainable, scary experience like everyone else here who's still in this religion. Like we're scared and that's why we're here was like a big, a big realization to me.
0: So you've been to Ecuador.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And you went down there to basically preach the word of jehovah's witness do they do a lot of that like going around the world and preaching
1: yeah yes yeah. they do a lot of that especially last century that was like their whole vibe <laughs> let's expand to the whole world and they're trying to fulfill a prophecy in the bible that says uh, the good news of the kingdom will be preached in every land or something to that effect in matthew and um So it's a Christian gospel scripture about, Mm. um, the end of the world, but like what will happen before the end is that everyone in the world will have a chance to know about God is like the general idea of that scripture or how they interpret it. And they are the ones who are bringing that message to the world is what they believe. And without them, without them doing that, the end of the world won't come, but we really want that to happen as soon as possible so that we can all get into paradise is their general like trajectory and thought process. And so they talk about bad news all the time. They talk about how close we are, all the signs of prophecy, and um, how they're fulfilling that one prophecy about preaching. Um, But yeah, so they go to lots of countries, especially anywhere Christianity exists. They exist. Um, They don't exist on a large scale in the Muslim world, and they don't exist on a large scale in the Asian cultures of general Asia in in general. Um, They do print their their literature in over 800 languages, which is like a really interesting, um, they're almost like a preservation. Uh, they preserve the another silver lining. They kind of preserve other languages, but they preserve like nonsense in that language, but they print a ton of literature. They print most of their literature in all of those languages. Um, so that's kind of an interesting thing. They really do go far. And like, there's a famous book in the ex witness world called uh, by Amber Scora, leaving the witness where she was a, a, doing this international work in china and so she was undercover like you can't wear their clothes you can't dress like them no one can know the location of their church you can never identify yourself as a jehovah's witness because it's illegal there it's banned and there's there's like 30 or 40 countries where it's, they're banned um more recently they were banned in russia they've been defunded in norway they're like delisted as an official religion because of some nefarious stuff they've been doing in europe belgium's going there's a group there trying to get them made illegal. Iceland's working on it. Sweden, too. Um, but, yeah, they're banned in Russia, which is hmm. interesting. But, yeah, the Muslim world, they kind of don't have a big representation. Or in the communist world, they're sort of banned in general.
0: One thing I've heard is that you're not allowed to get a blood transfusion if you're a Jehovah's Witness. Is that true?
1: That's very true. And actually, super, super crazy stuff happens. Um, they have what's called The hospital liaison committee and they send basically elders are a part of that and they will go to your hospital bed and generally i mean they're going there to like shepherd you as a member but they're making sure that you don't get any medical care that uses blood and they they force every member every year to renew a medical um power of attorney document that's actually a legal document that allows the church and the church members of that committee to have control over what happens to your body and they basically don't let you get medical care you can you can supersede that you can go above that if you're conscious but they will be standing there with your family coercing you essentially not to get medical care and what they do they're essentially making martyrs and they will for every everyone who has a family member dies by not taking medical care in this in the using not taking blood most people that do this die the vast majority. There are very, very few cases where you decide not, you, you decide to do what they want and you try to get bloodless care and you organize it month in advance. And it's rare that that's possible. There's very, very few places that offer Jehovah's Witness services for bloodless surgery. So the vast majority of people say, I won't take it. And they do that out of faith and then they die. And then the religion uses them as an example of faith. So they're essentially using them as martyrs and it's disgusting. Um, and they will re-traumatize parents of young children who were um left to die in front of the congregation year after year after year like what a great example of faith of these parents for making the ultimate sacrifice and it makes me wonder if like this is what they want um then like they're doing human sacrifice on like the most extreme level you know to frame it that way is is like what is this group why human sacrifice why are martyrs are important to them
0: um, mm. Exactly. yeah that is messed up man uh what other any other kind of like crazy beliefs um other than you know the holidays or the blood transfusions anything okay.
1: um they believe okay just to get into the weeds about spiritual things scriptural things they believe that jesus is michael the archangel and that's a big a big uh step aside from general christianity um and that he's a, like the warrior king of the angels and that it will be him who will come back to the earth next week or tomorrow or next year and murder everyone who's not a Jehovah's Witness um, with like violence. Cause like he will come and kill everyone who didn't accept the message. Uh, so that's a unique take on Jesus. And um, they don't, they do have a heaven, but it's only a small group of people will go and they use the number from Revelation that's said three times, 144,000. So there was this very, very special class, most of which are already decided centuries ago. And there's like a very final small group who are essentially like the original founders of the religion and followers. They're going to go to heaven and they're going to rule as spirit, like priests and kings over a different lower class of people. And um, everyone basically who was like brought into the religion in the last 70 years are part of that, what they call the earthly class. And um, there's a famous scripture that most people have probably heard of if they've read any of the Bible, the meek shall inherit the earth. Um, So they believe that those meek are the humble humans on the earth who are not angelic super beings um, and they will not transform into them. They will remain humans and they are meant to be humans and they will become stewards of the earth and farmers. And um, basically that's their big message is like you'll live forever on earth just like right now, which I mean, in terms of like everlasting life options it's like the most understandable one because we do have this life right now rather than like other christian religions or, or faith groups they're like you'll turn in, you'll transform into like an invisible spirit being that you can't even fathom right now because it, you don't know like it's, you're like going to become an angelic being it's like a, a strange abstract concept in a way um so and then and then they don't have an after an afterlife other than like if you die you're dead like that's it like it's experience Or an atheist way of seeing the the uh, seeing life and death like once once the lights are out your lights are out like there's nothing else but there's this option where like if god liked you and remembered you and wrote your name in a you know a, a book you call it the book of life but it's like the uh, a metaphor for like god caring about you um he will bring you back but he'll bring you back in a different form. He'll bring you back with different memories. Like if you experience something painful, like you sacrificed your child to this book publishing company in New York by not giving them blood, you know, blood surgery, um, to save their life. Like life is not valuable. Following the rules is valuable. Obedience is valuable. Um, if you did that and, uh, that hurt and that child, God didn't want to bring them back. Like God will erase that child from your memory is what they say now. So it's like a, a bit of a twist from what they used to teach, but they're always changing. They're changing every 10, 20 years. They have, it's basically a different religion in a sense in what they believe. They're always coming up with new ideas to explain why the end of the world is not here. And they're like, well, we should change our beliefs on the scripture. And you have to agree with us. There's no, there's no, you, can't, you have to agree with every single thing they say, no matter what. There's no com- communication about it. You just say, okay, I agree with that now. So those are mm. very unique <laughs> takes on reality. That's, yeah
0: that's definitely an interesting take on reality when did you leave the cult I
1: was I was pretty skeptical growing up as a teenager living in those dual worlds but so I had this um all the witnesses I met all, almost all of them like 85 percent like 17 friends who were like musicians in the room um, who I met um all left when they turned 18 19 or moved out of their house where their parents lived and um I moved out with a bunch of those people. And two months later, everyone got in trouble for like having non-Jehovah's Witness friends at our house for some party that we had that was very, very tame. And, um, and I was like, how How am I the only, like I'm barely in this religion. It's left standing inside. But I sort of left then like a year later and um, at 19 years old, <clears throat> I'm 42 now. And, um, but then I kind of went, I went back, like I had like a six month break and then went back, but I was sort of like, well, I don't believe this and that and this other thing. And I don't agree with that. We can't go to college. They also can't go to They very, you can go to college, but it's like, they really don't want you to do that. Um, but I did it and I kept my band that had, it was like all members of non Jehovah's Witnesses, um, normal people. And, um, so I like kind of took the religion on my own terms but i stayed in until i was 27 2008 and then i had like a hard break like i'm totally not okay with this religion i don't want to be a part of it i don't believe so much of it i now this final thing really pushed me over the edge and that the final thing was like their belief on science and evolution and the flood the global flood legend and that was like the thing that pushed me over the edge but so i've been out 15 years all
0: right so what are your religious beliefs now if any
1: are oh, you an atheist
0: or agnostic yeah, or?
1: I feel like I was training, like that religion trains people to be atheist in a way. And so like leaving most, like more than half, I think people like get out of that religion um, and survive the process. A lot of people commit suicide while they're in or after they leave because it's really traumatic to lose everyone. Okay, that's another belief we didn't talk about. Um, they cut you off completely. There's like a hard, hard wall, like bigger wall than than Judaism, bigger wall than Mormonism. If you leave, you're never talked to again. Or if you if they are to talk to, it's like very, very strict specific way of communicating. That's like not a relationship. Um, but like most people that leave start out atheists are like, oh, that was all a lie. Oh my God. If that was a lie, then which part or there is there anything that wasn't a lie? This religion is so extreme. I never really believed any, like, or either you never believed any of it or you believed only like some of it most people believed everything but like when you realize how they've been deceptive and lying it's like oh my god maybe all religions are like that and so it's sort of like well if all those beliefs aren't true and maybe god's not real either is usually is actually like kind of a starting place for most people a lot of people that leave not at most maybe let's say 60% if if I take the ex-Jehovah's witness population on the internet um, generally it's atheist but then there's like people that are agnostic and then there's people who are like, I'm going to try out other kinds of Christianity and there's like pagans and there's a lot of ex-witnesses of many, many flavors. So people are trying out all different kinds of things. Uh, Mm -hmm. My personal view after many years is that I feel that there is something greater and unknowable in, in the biggest indication to me that there is something greater and unknowable and I don't like the word God. I don't use that term at all. I also don't really like the term spirituality because I feel like the spiritual community is as lost as um, Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, that might alienate some people listening to this, but I see the same patterns over and over and over and the same magical thinking continuously. It's like, it's like the birthplace of a new cult, in my opinion. Um, but I I think that consciousness, the fact that, no one can everyone who's looking for consciousness hasn't found where it is or doesn't understand what it is or how it works and the fact that we have a consciousness and a subconsciousness and like I I do meditate I feel like there's um the idea that most people use the word spiritual of meditation and that whole world of like getting to know your inner world and paying attention to the present moment that whole thing I really like that and I don't think that that's god or angelic or spiritual um but it's it's a very useful practice um to find contentment in this life but the fact that like no one for centuries of doing that in the eastern faiths or eastern practices of buddhism and, and similar practices has found what consciousness is or can describe it and anyone who's looked for what it is or where it comes from can't find where it is it makes me think that there's something going on in the life of this planet that is that is deeper or more 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 impressive than the idea of god in my opinion and what is consciousness where is consciousness how does it work and what are we connected to who's where what is that communication that's happening if there if there's communication happening what is that thing that question for me is way more interesting than like what is God and where is God? And maybe that's the origin for the ideas of God. You know,
0: consciousness, that is such a crazy concept, you know, like what are we? Are we just memories? Do we have a soul? You know, Mm -hmm. it's definitely interesting. So you say most people end up atheists. I know with you have a podcast as well, where you talk to a, is it mainly musicians who have left the cult?
1: That's right. Yeah, mostly yeah. musicians, but artists in general, people who are creating something after leaving a high control or mind control or some kind of some kind of control system. It could be a narcissistic relationship. But so far everyone I've interviewed's been Jehovah's Witnesses um, who've left the religion, who happen to be artists or have picked up music or literature. They write books or a memoir, or or they've some there's a couple painters and yeah, there's a few yeah. the greater, greater community of art. Um, I even feel like like lifestyle design is could be a form of art. Like what is how have you lived after leaving this crazy religion? I met a lot of like I've traveled a lot of this is my eighth year living abroad from the U- USA, and I've met ex-witnesses all over the world. And it's really random how we meet, and it's like, Oh wow, what did you do after leaving? I'm fascinated. Oh, I moved to this country and I did this crazy thing and I started a company and then it's like, whoa, okay. Un, being untethered is like the most interesting um, thing. If you if you if you don't just wallow in the depression of like the loss of innocence, community, faith, God, and uh, family, and your you know, your friends, you don't just like get stuck in the pain of that, in the shunning that they do. And that's what my film is really about. It's like really highlighting how that works and how they use it as an emotional abuse tactic. There's a whole topic.
0: Mm-hmm. But if you,
1: if you can get past that, and you're like like don't just look back in the past but be present and then like realize that your future is bright you can like it's almost like changing the mindset of um being a refugee versus like i'm gonna move to another country and make a whole new life it's gonna be awesome like that kind of change of perspective like yeah you totally got screwed over by this thing this like dangerous mind control group that has nefarious dangerous and uh ugly ambitions um You got out of that thing that you're one of the special few. Like now, now you can do anything with your life. And those people that have that perspective blow my mind. I think they're fascinating. And the ones that made art out of the, out of their trauma is fascinating to me. And I love that as far as making a podcast, because it's not just having a great conversation. It's like, cool. Let's experience the emotion of that. Let's listen to it right now. This is the song about that moment in my life. That was really hard.
0: Does it seem like a lot of creative people, are attracted to Jehovah's Witnesses or to cults in general. Because when I saw your podcast, I believe you have like two seasons so far. Yeah. And I was like, wow, like two seasons? Like there are that many musicians who are in the Jehovah's Witness are coming out of the Jehovah's Witness? You know, I would assume that, you know, that would probably be like maybe one or two episodes, but to have like two seasons – What is it about musicians and being in the Jehovah's Witness?
1: I think connection is that there aren't very many options and creativity and hobbies are sort of looked down upon in that religion, but creative people and one of the characters, one of the people, the subjects in the film, Witness Underground, our documentary, Eric Elvendahl, he says creativity for creative people. It's like a need. You have to be creative or you'll go nuts. Um, is, is a direct quote, and and so the people that are in this religion, if they, it's like a coping mechanism, and it's sort of accepted if you do it on your own. Like every, it's sort of celebrated if you do it on your own. Um, you don't you, only, you don't tell certain people about it because for them it's like, you know, the, the very strict um, members they would say something like, "Oh, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't be playing guitar because that's a distraction from preaching. You should go preaching more, or you could instead of painting a painting of." the landscape you could be painting a picture for the magazines and it'd be like work at the headquarters of the religion and then help them make beautiful art for for god don't make it for yourself that's selfish So they kind of downplay anytime you kind of express yourself but with the right there are individuals who celebrate those things in their religion and they find each other and um they keep it quiet if they're doing something creative but for the most part it's fine but if you if you group together in a music that's like a that's sort of unprecedented, and they don't really like that. It did happen in a number of places. I have, I'm have i connected to bands in Australia, New Zealand, um, Northern Germany, um, England, uh, who, are in, who are in bands and as witnesses, and all over the U.S., uh, especially in the Midwest and the Great Lakes area and uh, the West Coast, for sure, um, in Canada, here and there. So it did happen all over the place, and it was sort of tolerated, but it was sort of like, do covers, or like, keep it quiet like you don't want to you don't want to be like selling your music um don't don't get a record label deal if you're talented like you should actually put your guitar away it was like the general trend but you still did it and so when they got out they're like well i i could i was filtered i couldn't say certain things because people were listening and watching and paying attention and they would scrutinize every single lyric and every single song and every single way i was dressed and um you know it's like there's all this scrutiny and filter you had to do in like coded language in the religion. So when they got out, they're like, oh, my God, I have so much to say. I lost my family. I've lost my community. Um, this religion's lying to everyone. Uh, I feel so totally like I was deceived and I want to expose that deception. And now I'm like exploring, you know, a new faith or new worldview. I have a lot to say. So then these, these musicians, like in all these cases are exploring that in music through music and creating this like beautiful three minute journey, um, about some topic that's really heavy and in a really creative way, which I think, you know, it's really unique. And, and every time I put on an episode, like it feel not every time, but most times I put an episode, um, I find new artists. So like we just did a Kickstarter, for example, for releasing the movie, releasing witness underground, the movie and a woman who made a documentary um, and has a podcast and is a musician on Spotify reached out to me from Canada. She's like, check. Oh my God. Like, this is so cool. We're doing so much of the same, the same things. Um, But it's, it's almost like every episode I find one or two more. I'm like, Oh my God, there's like a whole thing just with Jehovah's Witnesses, but I've also found it in the Mormons as well. And um, other oppressed groups, they have something to say and they have stories to tell and they're artists and that's their way of exploring it. There's probably like 200 memoirs out for ex-witnesses. It's like, I've, I've only met a few of them. It's like, I could do a podcast on this topic of artists leaving this one religion um, for 10 years and I'd probably find more, you know? And like 100,000 people leave their religion every year. So it's like, it's crazy how many people have something to say. It's just a matter of a percentage, I think.
0: Hey, sorry to interrupt, but are you looking to reach a dynamic and engaged audience of curious minds? Well, look no further. Bright Brains Podcast is the perfect platform to showcase your business or product. You'll be able to reach a diverse and intelligent audience and engage with listeners passionate about personal development, technology, and more. Elevate your brand through thought-provoking discussions. Don't miss this opportunity to promote your business on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the market. Contact us today to discuss advertising options and elevate your brand to the next level. Contact us at brightbrainspod at gmail.com to secure your advertising spot on Bright Brains today. Again, that's brightbrains with a Z, pod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Now, back to the podcast my question is like your experience being shunned i think earlier you said you had five siblings
1: Uh, four four
0: siblings gotcha so are are they still within the jehovah's witness they are They so they don't have anything to do with you
1: not for like 15 years is when i left and then the relationship it changed with all of them at the same time there was a bit of a fluctuation of like they all deleted me from facebook today what's with today and I would be like, "Oh, that's like you don't see the deletion, but I noticed it, right?" And mm-hmm. they wouldn't respond to me, but we had regular conversations for, you know, a decade before that as adults, um, in our twenties. And then all of a sudden, when I cut off, when I when I was like, "Hey, I'm I i do not believe this. I want to talk to you guys about it because I think we're you're in a trap." They were like, "You can't say that." I was like, "You don't even go to church. Like my like my family is like really, according to them, like very very weak in their religion." Especially my mom. Um, my dad is like barely keeping it together, but easily took it the most seriously of anyone. My older brother skipped half the church events every month. Um, my little brother was like, he would, I mean, we both were like barely in this. They were skateboarders, they we're punk rockers, we're in bands, we're like traveling, not going to church. And like that was like, that's my family. um So to have them shun was crazy to me, but it was like, Took about two two to three years for them to really lock it in. They're like, I think I think they took the religion seriously for the first time because I laughed. And they were like, ah, one of our own closest family members is like turned, you know, turned against us with, to use their language. Like, I'm not against you. I'm trying to help you understand reality here. Like, this is a, they're lying. And they're like, don't talk. You can't talk like that. You're just, you're mentally diseased now. It's, uh, now that's their new term. They never said that to me, but that that's like the eight years ago or something. The religion took on a new terminology for calling anyone who leaves mentally diseased and it's contagious. You can catch the disease of thinking for yourself. Throughout the 90s, they used to put an article every year that was beware of independent thinking. Like be obedient. Basically, their whole church thing is like obedience classes 101 here. Read this paragraph of four sentences, and then the there's a question for it, and the answer is, you know, sentence three. But they're like, but put it in your own words, but don't, don't change it too much. Cause it's like, this is what we want you to believe. We want everyone to hear you say it. And like everyone should participate, you know, like, I don't know the whole thing. So, funny. but, um, yeah, I haven't talked to my family in de- over a decade. They haven't talked to me. I can talk to them, but they don't ever answer. So it's like, I stopped doing that because it's kind of it's exhausting to like, basically they're narcissistic abusers, but I don't know that about them individually, but like, that's what their religion creates. And they use emotional abuse as their number one tool to control others. And to protect their own framework of reality. Like if I talk to them, they feel like it's an attack. If new information comes from me, they reject it out of hand because I am the hand of the devil in their mind.
0: How do you cope with this, you know, being cut off from your family?
1: It's, um, I feel like the religion has all kinds of things it does to traumatize you that are difficult after getting out. But the the shunning, the shunning is the most insane experience. And I mean, I made a movie. (laughs) I spent seven, eight years of my life working on this project and it's finally available. And it's something that people are very impressed by. And that makes me, it's really validating um, because we dive into shunning and how this all works. Heavy.
0: So let's talk about this movie, Witness Underground. Tell me about you. So you spent seven years creating it. So tell me about this movie. Uh, the name, Witness Underground. What's the significance of that name?
1: Well, par- first, it comes from music. The word underground, witness from witnesses, the office witnesses. Um, but there's something spicy about the word witness, right? Like most people think of like legal, legality or legal cases or something. Or you were you saw something important. And that's how they use the word for themselves. They want people to think that they witness God. They're the only ones. Um, uh, but like that's used differently in general society. And I wanted to give some clue about what the film was about with the word witness. The underground being the music in the religion. Uh, like a, a micro community of like four to 500 kids across multiple states making music and collaborating on music over 17 years is what it's about and that is a community called nuclear gopher and there's a website of just joe's when this is making music they never talked about religion they never sang about religion or faith it was like a secular um music community with coded language mostly it was just like fun stuff about relationships and but they're really really talented it was their only outlet in this crazy high control group um but it spanned multiple states across chicago um, mostly it was Minneapolis based, but it went it, in Chicago, Wisconsin, where I was from, where I was. I was hearing about it and meeting people. We are, we like drive four hours to go see a Jehovah's Witness music concert um, with like ten bands, a little music festival. And then in there's a band from Missouri who would come up. Uh, I was like far, you know, two states away. <clears throat> um, so that is like the general idea for the word underground. But I wanted to draw a comparison to something. Um, with activist groups over centuries in the United States, one of them being the Underground Railroad, and it's not to compare to what that how important that was to rescue people who were trapped in slavery, but the idea that like hey, there's a movement of people, there's million plus people around the world who are paying attention to this damaging um, trap, and we want to help people get out. So the XJW community around the world, and it's it's growing and there's a lot of collaboration between other faith groups, like ex-Mormons and ex-Orthodox Jews and others, Amish, um, Moonies. Like there's an ex-cult community around the world that's like coming together, which is really fascinating with the idea of helping people deprogram themselves or helping to give information to help others and put the seeds in them to go do their own research and, and like untrap themselves. And realize what they're a part of to get out from underneath the control system. So to draw a conclusion or to draw a comparison to that in the digital age, like maybe there's a a, a comparison to helping people be free.
0: Was well, making this documentary was it kind of like a therapeutic or uh, a healing process for you?
1: Um, yes, that was a goal of mine. Like I need to work on this because this is not a heavy, heavy, difficult issue for me. And I started out making a series called Actually Coming Out on YouTube. It's a documentary series that we started with. And it was me sort of exploring the topic by interviewing people and then filming them. And I had a, a film background. So I was working deeply in film and music with video and for like eight years. Well, a few five years before that. and um, And I had a background in that from my hometown in my high school, like for fun with our course in our high school but so i had some background in that i loved it so i was really deeply exploring and i wanted to do this finally i had the skills to like do something serious with this topic that was deeply important to me and then we crowdfunded to continue that series and maybe make something bigger and we ended up making this documentary with that money um, in 2018 and then it took three years to go from like shooting editing and run the film festivals um with this film we went to 11 festivals we won an award at a horror film fest called Genre Blast out of uh, Virginia. Which is really cool. Horror?
0: A horror film festival?
1: Yeah. Hey,
0: that's awesome. I, I just know, didn't really think that, that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't think a documentary would be at a horror film festival, but hey, as long, yeah. whatever helps you get your message out. Those I'm curious. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, has there been any pushback from the Jehovah's Witness community about this documentary?
1: You know, it's a really interesting thing because I, the Shunning – they have a very, very strict policy, and it's enforced coercion to not talk to people, and to also self-isolate, self-police your mind and your um, your research and what you what you look into. And so, so active members secretly might watch the film and secretly might look at information about the film, but they'll reject it out of hand to protect their own worldview um, because they're basically not allowed to look at other information in all through the internet 1.0 internet was basically banned and forbidden or very strictly monitored um, by the religion. They were like, you can't use the internet. Don't use social media. It's now, now they have their whole ethos is the, is a website. Like they're, they wear a, a URL on their shirts when they go preaching. And when they go to conventions, they worship their own URL basically, which is quite mm. a flip flop. But Um, they say like the rest of the internet is off limits and they used to, and now they have a TV evangelism project. Like all the leaders, there's like nine leaders um, that are uh, uh, appointed through whatever. There's a whole process, but they have these leaders and and those guys are now like the stars of the TV show. And I don't even know what it is. Oh, JW broadcasting to give them a shout out. (laughs) It's insanely terrible. Like the worst TV evangelism. So boring. They're saying nothing and they're taking 10 times longer to do it um, than any other TV evangelist. And there's nothing, nothing's like powerful about it.
0: The people that you spoke to who've left this code, are there any particular stories that stood out to you?
1: I mean, there's a general story that's universal. But like, I mean, okay, one thing we didn't talk about at all is something I don't really deal with on my podcast much, but there's a very huge issue within the Job's Witnesses. Mm -hmm. Uh, I haven't met anyone who didn't have a pedophile in their congregation, a known pedophile who was not turned into the the authorities and kept a secret from new members, Um, waiting to find someone who knows of a congregation that didn't have one. And it's totally possible someone might still just not have known, but like, it's so universal. My congregation had it. And there was a child sex ring in the nearby congregation that this guy led. And he was, and after the desolation, like they were found out and they, they did break them up, but they didn't send the authorities. They spread them around to different congregations or got rid of some of them. They got rid of some of them. They were totally acceptable to have him, but it's like, they tolerate that, but they kick out the victims. So what does that say? If they're doing human sacrifice and they're protecting pedophiles, what does that say about the people at the top who are making these rules? Jesus that's a that's a common threat. That's not an exception. That's a common that, that's crazy. There's a, a child of sex abuse scandal every single year in the United States. There was they found a thousand and six, one about one per congregation in Australia in 2015. The, the government did an investigation and they have documentation. And they're like, these were never, never told to the authorities over 50 years. Damn. Um, so they still have that documentation. Right now, there's 15 ra- child rapists on trial in Pennsylvania. All captured and, and incarcerated, incarcerated, um, and on trial, actively in a huge um, child sex abuse scandal in just Pennsylvania.
0: Yeah, that's wild, man. You know, it's kind of like the Catholic Church. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is, but like I've I've interviewed a couple of people about coats, but it seems like there's always a sort of pedophilic or sexual assault element. And my guess is is that coats are kind of like the perfect breeding ground for it, you know? Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, it shouldn't be surprising. So you said yeah. there was one even in, in your congregation?
1: Yeah. And we were our family was very close with that guy. And um my the the people in the religion never told my family because they were the new people that they met. You know, my family came out of the out of the territory, they would say. Um, they were found knocking on doors and my dad joined and had a Bible study and eventually brought our family in with five kids and no one out of like 60, 70 people said a word to my family for decades that this pedophile was in the congregation and Mm -hmm. we became family friends with him and his entire family. He was the grandpa of the family and um, other kids of his were part of the sex ring. And my very first girlfriend in my life, um, was a a granddaughter of this pedophile and it was just sort of like hush hush you don't tell don't tell the new people my parents were they they found out like i found out that they just found when they found out and it was like seven years ago so long after i was out of the religion my family found this out and it got to me somehow the news got to me i don't remember how and i did confront my family Um, the year we made the film, like after shooting, I was like in living in my home area for a month or two, two months. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go try to, I'm going to go confront my family. And I talked to my dad about it. We, uh, we talked for 40 minutes and then he kicked me off the property. It was very tense and there's a lot to say. And I've talked about another podcast, but basically he's like, yeah, well, and this is, this is the official belief and, and, and thinking on the topic of pedophilia there are pedophiles in every religion. Jehovah's witnesses are no different. It's like you guys are supposed to be God's only true people. How how do you accept that? And they're like, well, they sinned and they, you know, why why is it on us to judge them? We accept them. God can judge them. And they actively tell they go to prisons and actively like tell other pedophiles who are in prison that you know, God still loves them and when they're out Of prison they can join the church and they become they get baptized in prison and then they're active members it's like okay so you're actively seeking out sex offenders and then protecting them if they violate like the ultimate crime of abusing another child they won't turn them into the authorities that makes them look bad it's like yo it would be better optics if you didn't have a 10 million dollar sex abuse trial every single year that you're using all your donations for god and in your magazines to like pay off a of victim to with hush money like that's what's going on every single year and it's insane it's absolutely insane and i can't wait for the news to pick this up and expose it but it's like really really tricky to get the religion to i mean they're a litigation powerhouse they've billions of dollars coming in every year they're one of the richest com- companies in new york and like they just litigate constantly and they basically settle a lot of court every year and it doesn't make headlines. And that's their whole goal. So not make headlines, settle of court, and they accept that this is just one of the one of the things they have to deal with. And they have a whole system for it. It's insane.
0: That's wow. You said they have billions of dollars. Where's this money come from?
1: Most of it comes from active members. And they okay, so there's this other way to look at this religion, which is it's a bit complicated, but imagine a pyramid scheme where with pyramid scheme like um amway is a big one that's like somehow found a legal loophole to make it work or herbal life is another one or even things like a tupperware um system where like people at the top with the religious leaders and they have a really really steep hyper and they keep most of the money there and they manage that money there um you get active members to donate their all their money to the con- local congregation and and it has many, many levels. So on the one level, on the public level, it's books and magazines. And they're moving away from that. On another level, it's real estate. So they get the local congregation to pool money of their own resources. And they're all poor people, but they like donate their time and energy. And they're construction workers and they plumbers. And they like go build. They buy the land with their own money, use donate the materials or buy the materials themselves and build the structure. But the religion owns it. And the religion can sell it whenever they want. And they do. They've sold like, a huge, huge portion, like probably... I don't know the numbers. I'm not going to guess, but like my own home congregation was sold and all the money went to the top. So like they're doing a real estate scam. That's a long game, like 20, 30, 40 year long game right now. They're liquidating a ton of assets um, to pay for these court cases. And um, they have huge, like they're still growing in other countries. They're starting to falter in Latin America and I'm, I'm in Latin America. So I'm like a bit more aware of it, but they were growing huge in Latin America, Spanish speaking countries for the eighties and nineties and early two thousands. Now they're sort of, it's sort of waning off, but it's still a growth area. And then like they were, they go to third world or developing countries. Um, and that's where most of their growth is. Anywhere where there's like lower education and lower literacy rates is where they do really well. Uh, most of Europe and U.S. have they have a very similar population in Euro, Europe and U.S. Um, but they don't really grow there. They just sort of maintain their numbers. And that's been true for about 20 some years. They were growing last century and sort of like plateaued this century in numbers. And I think it's due to the internet. Like they can't quite grow, have growth numbers anymore because people can find out reality and read about them and read like the terrible stories and the child sex abuse and the, the martyrdom and the, I don't know. They can read about it all on the internet and all the lies and all the changes to legal things.
0: You know, there's a lot you to say about the internet, but, one of the good things is the sharing of information and mm. kind of raising awareness about these kind of issues. My question is, are there any famous Jehovah's Witnesses?
1: Yeah. I can list a few off the top of my head. I mean active yeah. Jehovah's Witnesses. Um
0: Yeah, or just reason I ask is because, you know, I did a show about Scientology and mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of famous ones, like of course Tom Cruise, uh Shaka Khan, Isaac Hayes. So my question is, are there any like, you know, famous Jehovah's yeah. Witnesses?
1: The biggest ones would be uh, Prince joined the religion in his last like, 10, 15 years. And um, the Jackson 5, they were all Jehovah's Witnesses when they were actively at the Jackson 5. Michael mm-hmm. Jackson left the religion, and his big coming out moment was Thriller, um, when he made the Thriller record or song and music video. Mm-hmm. And then... So then Janet was a witness, but she left. Serena Williams right now is like went back to it and became like a serious member now that her her tennis career is over. Um, Damon Wayans is an active member, but he goes like seldom, but he like still participates in stuff. Um, then like famous ex-members would be like the singer for Megadeth, um, making, you know, songs inspired by the end of the world. Um, Dave Mustaine. Um, another famous one would be Randall calrissian in star wars um childish gambino uh faltering on his name at the moment
0: uh you said rando calrissian you mean uh what's his name uh his, his real name the the actor
1: yeah i'm looking for it I, yeah I'm, I'm actively like friends with his cousin another <laughs> <His> <laughs> filmmaker um from lot my time in los angeles and i'm um, missing his name at the moment but yeah he's a, an incredible artist he did community and he's done a bunch of comedy stuff and he's he's in a bunch of great shorts and he's an incredible musician singer and dancer
0: yeah it and kills he, me because his name is right on glover, glover
1: glover uh, yeah donald,
0: donald glover. glover but you know then because yeah donald glover i've heard of him being jehovah's witness but the character X, that he played X. yeah ex-jehovah's witness the character that he played the original actor that played him in the original Star Wars, I thought yeah. that's who you were talking about. Oh, What's no, no, no. his name?
1: <laughs> oh, I don't remember his name. But yeah, no, no, sorry. I meant to, yeah. I just, I just rewatched. Um, I think it's Solo, and I was like, Yeah, oh, I forgot he was in this. This is so cool. <laughs> gotcha. And there's, there's a yeah. lot of exes who are famous, and there's a lot of really a lot of famous actors and uh, musicians are famous. Um, got became famous actors and musicians after leaving the religion. And I'm so interested in having some of them um, on the podcast at some point. But I feel like the optics, it's like most people that leave the religion are sort of the vast majority of people. Even the artists are like, yo, I don't want to, I don't want to be associated with that religion ever. I don't want people to know I was a part of it. I don't want to talk about the topic. I don't want that to taint my career. I have a whole thing I'm doing. And so most people are like, don't let, no, it's not talking about, but then there's this other thing that's happening, which is most of the members, most people that join the podcast, Underground, the Witness Underground podcast, are, are musicians who are actively making albums about the topic, um, which is a different thing. Um, some artists I'm connected to who I really want to interview have made, like even even Don Glover has a, a single lyric in one of his songs from Childish Gambino where he says, falling from the tower and Watchtower is their magazine of their religion. Um, and, the, and that was the name of their global headquarters in New York, in Brooklyn for a long time. You know, the huge red sign was glowing above Brooklyn. It said Watchtower. So Falling from the Tower for me is like a shout out to all ex-witnesses if you listen to his music, right? So like there's little bits of that in in their music. Um, or even um, there's this amazing artist in Los Angeles, Geneva Jacuzzi, who I, I got a chance to meet. And I love her music. It's really, it's like 80s dark wave. And she, she said a lot of, she told me that a lot of her experience about growing up in that religion and she left young at like 19 or something um is still coded about that topic like she's a great song about cannibalism and Joseph's witnesses have a whole thing about cannibalism like if basically like, if you take blood into your body it's the same as like eating another human being and God doesn't like cannibalism so therefore you can't do it and like that was their, fr- their original first <laughs> reason not to do it um but she sings about you know it's like she's like dark songs inspired by a dark religion Go figure
0: yeah, that's, that's wow and the actor we were thinking of billy d williams that's his name oh, the original some, the
1: uh, yeah yeah i just I don't think he was I, associated with this faith
0: <laughs> gotcha so one thing i want to ask you too earlier you mentioned that one of the reasons why you left was because of their beliefs about the flood myth what is their belief about the flood myth
1: oh they're very literalist um the closest thing that most people might if you want to look up information about what a Jehovah's Witnesses believe about it, um, look up young earth creationists. Um, it's basically that that concept is that the earth was created entirely 6,500 years ago-ish, around 6,000 years ago, something like that. And like everything in the entire universe was created then. And so all of the life, including all of the fossils that we have in the rock going back billion years, um, were also created to test our faith. You know, if you go deep into like the rabbit hole of this idea, like the bones of dinosaurs, like those were just those aren't real. God created them as fossils for us to find and then wonder or something. Like it makes you like there's a lot of questions get raised when you're like, well, what about all the stuff that's older than 6,000 years ago? And they have an answer for that, but it's a really dumb answer. Um Jehovah's Witnesses essentially believe all the same things except for that they do believe the earth is 4.2 billion years old based on the half-life of uranium. And they're like, yeah, we respect scientists in some on some levels. Um, so yeah, that all happened, all the dinosaurs and all the life that happened before, that was just God experimenting in the past. And um, it shouldn't test our faith at all. We don't know the mysteries of God, but what they do believe, everything else aligns with young earth creationists. And then um, all the life that was in the Garden of Eden and on the earth at that time was poofed into existence. And that's the term elders like to say. It's like, oh, God can poof anything into existence. And it's like, poof is childish <laughs> that's your best explanation anyway they believe that everything in the garden of eden was like created as it is in all the complex ecosystems that you know everything that we understand about like even down to the, like the ribosome where the fungal mycelium and the root of a plant connect and they transfer chemical um, information and nutrients and minerals like god designed that all as it is like evolution is not real it didn't ever happen and there's zero evidence for it in their mind, and um, like none of none of none of the history that science and biology would like you to understand is real. All of that is Satan conspiring to trick the minds of scientists. And God poofed it all into existence. Stop talking about it. Is it essentially there? Like we can't. No, evolution's not real. Stop it. Is like their general thought stopping uh, reaction. It's emotional and illogical. And I think they totally all understand how evolution works, but they don't like it because the religion tells them that they can't believe it. And if they, and my, everyone in my family, when I confronted them, um, all told me individually my mom, my sister, and my dad, my baby sister, who's in her late 20s and married. Um, but I think of her as a young girl still. Um, they all told me that if, if evolution was real, that they would lose their faith forever. I'm like, well, why don't you just read the? wikipedia article about it it's three paragraphs and you'll learn about it and it's you already understand it you're not an idiot like it's just how nature works like why is this the issue for you and your faith um and it's their big hang-up but for me learning that the so the, they believe the flood happened and it wiped out everything and everything came back and god had a hand in in for like a question would be like well how did the qual bears find the eucalyptus trees in australia and they didn't find food anywhere else and they walked there from how did they walk there like from the middle east where they Ark landed. Now, like, well, there was Pangaea. Like, Pangaea for them was four thousand years ago, after the global flood. All the Earth's continents were connected. And that's how they answer that question. Like, they they completely reject geology when it doesn't align with the flood legend. They completely reject biology um, and the history of life on the planet it, when it comes to the flood. They're like, well, before the flood, the entire atmosphere was different, and the and carbon dating doesn't work because the atmosphere was different and no one understands, but there's one scripture in the Bible that says there was like a lot more water in the atmosphere before the flood. Therefore all science is wrong and the half-life of atoms isn't real. Um, and so you can't trust any dating methods. Like they go on these rides So uh, there's like the official thing is basically young earth creationism. If you want to look into it and that evolution's wrong. And if you believe evolution, like, you're not one of us and you're going to get kicked out. You can't talk about that topic. It's not real. So do you still make music? I have sitting next to me a Korg monologue analog synthesizer that I bought at the end of our film festival run as a gift to myself. And I have been dying to play it. It's out, it's ready, it's connected. And I just need to like touch the buttons and turn it on. Uh, But I, I have been sitting with this thing for years and I don't play it. And I've been, I'm now like I travel with it. And I'm like, I will play this instrument. So, no, I don't make music anymore, but I want to. And um, there's always something related to this movie or the podcast in the way, which I do love. Um, So, I'm like, I need to prioritize. I'm not going to become a major musician, I don't think, in my life, but um, music's a big part of my life and it always has been. And every, I've made another film about music. So, like, I'm, I work with musicians that I find have incredible talent and skills and a heart and uh, something to say. And I try to highlight them in my work. Um, that's my my connection to music at this point. And I listen to a ton of music from all over the world. <laughs> hey,
0: this has been a great conversation, man. I learned a lot. And uh, I'm definitely going to check out your documentary. Um, and I hope my audience does too. I listened to a couple episodes of your podcast, and it's, it's very enlightening. So uh, just let the people know where can they go to see your documentary and also to check out your podcast.
1: Yeah. My, my witness underground documentary and podcast have one website and it's witnessunderground.com. So it should be easy to remember Witnessunderground.com. There's wow. two ways to watch the movie right now. So one of the, we just did a Kickstarter and it was some funded successfully. And that was to release the movie on major streaming platforms. Um, and we did pre-sales on a lot of the art and music. So all that stuff is going to become available to the general public soon. Um, we're wrapping up the Kickstarter um, deliveries right now. And and we made the film available on Vimeo for right now. So if you go to the website, windowsunderground.com, you can find our Patreon to support the project and you can watch the movie there. There is a link and all of our, and it supports the podcast. That's a monthly subscription of uh, $10 and there's other levels. Um, and there's also a free option. So if you just want to like poke in and check it out, check it out there. And then um, you can also find the Vimeo link, which is where you can rent the movie for a week or you can, buy it and download it and own it. Um, And that is available now.
0: My audience would definitely love to check that out. And I would love to be able to share your content, man. Cool. I think what you're doing is really good and keep it up, man.
1: Really appreciate it, Isaac. It's been awesome. Uh, Thank you for all the questions and diving in. It's been really interesting.
0: Hey, no problem, man. Hey, you take it easy and you have a great day. All right.
1: Take care. You too. Thanks, Isaac. You
0: too. No problem. I hope you enjoyed that captivating interview with Scott Holman, the creator of the must watch documentary Witness Underground. Witness Underground is a feature documentary that reveals the insular DIY artist community that emerged within a high control space in Minneapolis. Music, fame, and success are typically forbidden in this religion, which instructs its members to beware of independent thinking. The artists at the heart of this music scene have their faith tested in deeply personal ways. They battle for positive mental health and push the boundaries of their religion's norms where leaving often means being banned from interacting with your entire family and social circle for life. Although severely restricted, they created the record label Nuclear Gopher and produced over 30 albums of earnest and personal music that spans singer-songwriter, riot girl, psychedelic rock, pop EDM, shoegaze, and post-rock. Carefully curated songs and live performances punctuate their stories of friendship deep loss and personal growth you don't want to miss this documentary and scott has extended an exclusive offer just for our listeners go to the link in the description and you can enjoy a phenomenal 50 percent discount when you rent or buy witness underground don't miss out on this extraordinary opportunity and if you don't see the link In the description, for whatever reason, just go to the Bright Brains Facebook page, Instagram page, or Twitter page, and the link will be there. You don't want to miss this documentary. Go check it out.